It's Natural Family Planning Awareness Week, and it's a time when the church invites us to highlight both the teachings of the church regarding the love-giving and life-giving aspects of marriage, and also really look at the science of fertility awareness. So this week, what we'd like to do is reshare an episode from last year where we address a common concern about NFP. Is it just Catholic contraception? And to be honest, this question has always surprised me, but I also understand how in a culture that is so contraceptive that hearing that a couple might use an FP to postpone or even avoid a pregnancy sets off alarm bells. But this is why it's so important for us to understand what NFP is and what it is not. So in this conversation, um, Mickey and I address these common questions and objections to NFP that come from even within the church. And we discuss what responsible parenthood is, what the church actually teaches regarding that, and how it puts us in a position of always being open to life. That that's the main thing that makes NFP different than contraception is that a couple is always in this position of God, your will be done. So NFP requires that a couple is responding to that call to generosity, um, responding with a well-formed conscience, and ultimately NFP is really fertility awareness, being aware of what's going on with a woman's body, plus discernment, praying for what is God's will for our family, and really using that to make the best decisions um, within our marriage and family life. So we'll discuss that, we'll unpack that, and uh, we hope that you enjoy. Welcome to Life Beyond the Chariot, a faith and family series from the St. Philip Institute. We believe we are called to not only know, but also to live the truth of the gospel within our homes, in our workplaces, and beyond. We believe we are invited to encounter Christ in the messiness of day-to-day life and to live as his disciples. Welcome back, y'all. Hey, Mickey, how you doing? I'm doing good. <laughs> good. Yourself? <laughs> doing well, thanks. Um, first and foremost, we want to say thank you to all those who are part of the Facebook group. Thank you to everyone who has been sending us messages or just running into us at Mass and saying that this podcast has been a blessing and that they're enjoying the episodes. So if this has been a blessing to you or if you're enjoying the podcast, one thing that would really help us is if you would leave us a review Mm -hmm. on Apple Podcasts. Um, Like, subscribe on YouTube, share this episode on Facebook if that's where you're watching. Uh, But that just gives us uh, data that you're listening. (laughs) You want us to keep going. (laughs) So yeah, but this week, it's one of my most favorite topics. I'm very excited. (laughs) Um, This is NFP Awareness Week when this episode comes out. (laughs) Yep. It's the Super Bowl. <laughs> this is I I love it because this is where your passion really like comes through. I'm like I was telling Deanna, you're the NFP lady. And um anyway, so I'm excited to dive into this topic of yeah. NFP. But real briefly, can you even just say why we have NFP Awareness Week? Like what is it? Yeah, so the USCCB um has designated uh the week and it's usually the week where um or it's always the week where the anniversary of um Humanae Vitae and uh, the saints of St. Joachim and Anne fall. So this year it's uh, July. I think it's the 20- 26th. I think I thought it was 25th. 25th. Oh, yeah. It's the 25th. Good job. See, I'm a. I did I'm a little better. bit of research. <laughs> <laughs> and each year there's a theme, and it's really an opportunity for the church to highlight 
what we actually teach when it comes to the church's teachings on marriage and sexuality and openness to life, and really highlighting that natural family planning is a tool that couples can use um, in their practice of responsible parenthood. So really highlighting the things that are going on in different dioceses. There's usually a theme that's associated uh, with the with the weeks. This year's theme is to have and to hold to honor NFP, supporting God's gifts and love and life and marriage. So this is the week where you hear a lot about methods and maybe you'll be lucky enough to hear about cervical mucus and <laughs> stuff like that. But, uh, but yeah, just highlighting the, the church's authentic teaching on um, openness to life, what it means to practice responsible parenthood. And yeah, yeah. it's very helpful. Now, I will come into this conversation admitting I mean, I know what NFP is. I've mm-hmm. taken theology classes on it and everything. But um, as someone who has struggled with infertility, uh, which we will talk about uh, next week or soon, um, this is not something that I've had to like research a whole lot yeah. because when we have used it, it's been to achieve a pregnancy. So I'm not really a part of like the circles. What's currently going on in your world mm-hmm. <laughs> or the, you know, other people who talk about NFP. So um, what, I guess, what do you want to accomplish with today's episode? Yeah. So great question. <laughs> There's so much. And, and again, like NFP is one of those things that, that I'm very passionate about, fertility awareness. And last year we recorded um, a mini series for, for NFP week 2020, um, where we talked about your experience with infertility, my experience with, I guess you could call it hyperfertility. <laughs> it is not difficult for us to, <laughs> to get pregnant. Um, but also having the medical perspective uh, and a priestly perspective it was a really great series. Um, in the circles that I that I run in with uh, with natural family planning and fertility awareness. Um, one of the things that I see often, and it's usually around this time of year, uh, but I want to say it was like back in May, there was a Catholic influencer who uh, brought up a common argument um, when people are discussing NFP, and it was that um, NFP should only be used for grave circumstances and that um, couples who don't use it for who are using it when it's not a grave circumstance are using it with a contraceptive mentality. There are a few things that will raise my heart rate, <laughs> and that is one of them, addressing this um, misconception that NFP can be used with a contraceptive mindset. And so what I'd really like to kind of unpack today is why you can't say that NFP is contraceptive or that it's used with a contraceptive mentality and where that phrase originally came from, but also wanting to provide kind of like a crash course in what NFP is to kind of lay our foundation for how do we get there? How do we really understand the church's teaching on um, responsible parenthood? What is the purpose of sex and marriage. So we will be talking about sex if you have little ears around. Um, but uh, but yeah, just really walking through, if the church teaches this about openness to life and the unitive and procre- procreative natures of the, um, of the sexual act, then, and responsible parenthood is a way for couples to live this out, how NFP and fertility awareness is a way for couples to to really put that into practice, um, and in no way can that be contraceptive. And really defining our terms because I think okay. that's where there's a misconception. 
So Yeah, so lots of stuff that we're going to try to pack yeah. into this episode. <laughs> this may be a little bit longer <laughs> of an episode. Um, so maybe it's helpful to just define our terms first mm-hmm. and foremost, uh, especially if this is the first time that you're hearing about NFP. But NFP is an umbrella term that refers to methods in which a woman can observe the infertile and fertile times of her menstrual cycle um, by observing those just naturally occurring signs um, in her body. So whether that's temperature changes, um, changes in cervical mucus, hormone changes, all of that. And all of that information um, is a tool that couples can use as they are discerning whether they are trying to achieve a pregnancy or postpone pregnancy. And this is not your grandma's rhythm method. <laughs> like The rhythm method was something that was developed in the 1930s. Um, modern methods of natural family planning are highly scientific. There's mm-hmm. a medical aspect to it as you have experienced being able to um, benefit from things like NAPRO technology um, and the fertility care method. And there's several different methods. Um, It's one of those things where you want to find a method that that works best for you. Uh, But the basics of how NFP works is, you know, if a couple is trying to achieve pregnancy, then they have intercourse during the fertile phase of Mm -hmm. the woman's cycle. If they're trying to postpone pregnancy, then they abstain during those days of possible fertility and wait until ovulation has occurred or, you know, following the rules of that particular method. Um, And they have intercourse on days where fertility is is not present. But the main difference, um, I think it's, it's really important to remember, is that there's always this um, position of openness to life with NFP. Uh, because with contraception, what we're saying is we're sterilizing the marital act. It's a, it's a no, right? We're saying right. no to the possibility of life. And it puts a block there. It says, I give all of myself to you except for this piece. I want all of you except for that piece of you. Um, and life is not welcome here. Whereas NFP is working with this naturally occurring um cycle within um, a woman's body. And I mean, God is so smart. (laughs) I always say that God is so smart in how he designed us because men, y'all are always fertile. Like just always, just always sitting there being fertile. (laughs) Good job. But women, um, we have these windows of fertility and the fact that we're not always fertile um, shows the the, just the genius of God's design. Um, So I'll pause there for a second. (laughs) No, that's good. I think this is um, really good information. And I think just to maybe go back to people who are hearing this for the first time, um, that understanding that the... Um, the marital act, uh, there are two purposes in that. Mm-hmm. For couples uniting and to be open to children. So for unity and procreation. And the church does definitively teach that you can never on purpose separate those right. two. So anytime that you're choosing to unite, mm-hmm. you are open to life. Exactly. And that's why artificial contraception right. um, is a no because you're engaging in the unitive act mm-hmm. but putting a barrier to the procreative right. act. And also why IVF is a problem because you're mm-hmm. only seeking the procreative and you're separating it from the unitive. Absolutely. So I think just sort of, um, I guess, explaining that a little bit. Yeah. And so uh, when we're talking about, and you touched on this, because I think sometimes people hear, and you hear this all the time with your engaged couples, mm-hmm. um, it's like, well, what's the difference? Because both NFP and contraception ends in no child. So it may have the same result. And Mm -hmm. I think sometimes people think, well, if the end result is the same, Same 
Right. Does it matter? Right. And it, there is a distinct difference. And again, and I think it's helpful also to to recognize that NFP is fertility awareness plus discernment. A woman being aware of her fertility as a vital sign of health plus the discernment of the couple and where God is leading them, right? And how God is, is asking them to use this gift of their combined fertility. So the difference, the primary difference between NFP and contraception is that, again, contraception says no. It says life is not welcome here. No, thank you. And then if life does somehow occur, um, it's kind of, I think Christopher West uses this, um, this, uses the example of like a wedding invitation. Like you wouldn't send a disinvitation to people that you don't want at your wedding, <laughs> right? So if, I mean, imagine how you would feel if a and if you sent out this disinvitation, please don't come to my wedding. I don't want you here. Don't you dare. I'll get really mad if you show up. <laughs> and if that person does show up, you're like, you're, you're mad about it. But the purpose of the marital act is a renewal of the wedding vows. Mm -hmm. And when you look at what our vows say, I give all of myself to you till death do us part. And every single time a couple engages in that act, it's a renewal of those vows. And it's saying like we are open to life Mm -hmm. anytime that, I mean, that act is ordered towards life. It doesn't mean that every single marital act will result in a pregnancy because that's not how we're designed. But the fact that every single act should be ordered towards the possibility of life, which means it doesn't matter if it's the fertile phase or the infertile phase, the fact that we have sent out an invitation through the act itself, we're saying, God, we're open to life, your will be done. That's what NFP says is, God, your will be done in this act. We're open to the possibility of life. So I always tell couples, like, so I'm, I'm a certified uh, Billings Ovulation Method teacher. And when I was working with couples, um, I would always tell them, when you put an eye on your chart to indicate that intercourse happened, remember that that was an invitation. So even if you are in your, your infertile time, you're still leaving room for God's will to be done. Mm -hmm. And I've seen that happen in my own (laughs) journey with NFP. And it's a beautiful thing because God's plans for for us and for our marriages are are so much bigger than than what we can have for ourselves. So again, contraception says no. NFP says, God, your will be done. And it gets back to this whole idea of responsible parenthood because I think sometimes people hear – the church says that we can't use contraception, so she must want us to fill a 15-passenger van of children, <laughs> like that every Catholic family should look yeah. that way. Um, and I guess I should back up, too, and say that you don't have to use NFP. Right. You don't have to. You really don't. You don't have to use NFP. But it is such a good tool for those who have a need to um one, for those who are trying to achieve pregnancy and are having difficulties, mm-hmm. um, but also for those who are discerning, like right now may not be a good time for us to seek out um, a pregnancy. So we're going to use this this tool um, to be able to, uh, to know when we should abstain um, and, and things like that. But really thinking of NFP in terms of fertility awareness plus discernment and discernment being that it is the couple and God, that Mm -hmm. the church is never going to give you a checklist that says, okay, if you make this much money and, um, you know, you have this size house and you've been married for this number of years, this is how many children you should have. The church clearly speaks into the fact that 
it is the couple who discerns how many children and when those children should arrive and that it's there is no outside source that's going to say mm-hmm. like oh you are you're a good catholic couple because you have 10 kids there are good holy couples that have large families and it's beautiful there are good holy families who have one or two children mm-hmm. there are good holy couples who are struggling with infertility but they're open to life in other ways mm-hmm. so just affirming that um yeah yeah one of the things that um and I think we're going to get this to this a little later, so let me know. But um, one of the things I do want to mention is I wish I had the catechism number, but it talks about, um, you know, in the role of marriage, it is for the procreation and education, education of, of children, children mm-hmm. and the unity of spouses. Mm-hmm. And so when we're talking about um, that discernment piece, discerning um adding more children to the family Mm -hmm. that, and I heard a a podcast of a priest talking about this, that because part of our calling as parents is not just the procreation, but also the education of children, that there may be things that arise within family life or marriage um, that could possibly make the education of the children you Mm -hmm. currently have a struggle. And so make, making sure you tend to those things. Yeah. Um, and so there are reasons, just reasons, mm-hmm. for couples to discern, like, it may be the best time to postpone a pregnancy. And the priestess used that that second part, like the education of children, that there could be, there could be um, reasons, just reasons, within a family where a postponing of pregnancy might need to occur. And I think that's kind of what we're trying to get at yeah. today, is that um, that's acceptable with the church right but right. it is the couple who is looking at their own individual circumstance um with constant discernment exactly and exactly and i could be wrong so tell me please tell me if i'm wrong but um but the idea of saying like okay well we have this many kids so now we're done forever right right that's not right what we're talking about right right because right. it is a monthly yeah it is a monthly discernment, an ongoing conversation until the woman has reached a point where she's just infertile. Yeah. All the time. Yeah, exactly. So exactly. No, that's I think that's that's absolutely right. That we can never be in a position where we're like, all right, I got my three point five kids or whatever the average is now for that. <laughs> I think actually I think the average for the United States right now is like one point something wow. children. It's wow. bad. <laughs> so we can never get to a point where we're like, you know, I have my my Honda Odyssey is full. So we're good, God. Like, thank yeah. you. We are done. Um, but there is a, the, again, responsible parenthood. So maybe like diving into like, what does that term mean? Where does that come from? And I think Humanae Vitae really unpacked that beautifully. And there's several other documents. I think even in Gaudium et Spes, it covers it. Um, Casti Canubi probably touches on it as well. Um, I have so many papers in front of me right now. <laughs> she does. <laughs> But Humanae Vitae, paragraph 10, I know breaks down in in several different ways. Um, You know, what are the things that a couple needs to to keep in mind as they're making that decision? So it's not like a couple, because I've seen this with our engaged couples, right? You know, they they will say, well, you know, like we want to spend the first five years and we just want it to be us. And I don't want to like, sorry if I'm like making fun of that, but there is something to keep in mind, um, especially when you're entering into the sacrament of marriage is the purpose of marriage is not just, you know, to like, we want to travel the world together. And so we're going to spend the first five years doing whatever we want. Cause there's, there is a selfishness there that 
but the beautiful thing is that marriage has a really beautiful way of uncovering some of those selfish um, intentions. Um, but we're not, um, so the church is saying, like, okay, we're, we're called to responsible parenthood, and there are things that we need to take into consideration when we're making that decision. So if your only reason for, for wanting to postpone pregnancy is because you wanna go on a trip, like, okay, like, let's unpack that, like, take that to prayer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, it's, and it's probably not even my place to even say, like, well, if you just wanna go on a cruise, it's not a good reason to postpone pregnancy. I mean, take that to prayer. There's a good chance that maybe that's not the most important <laughs> reason to, to avoid pregnancy at this time, but that is between you and God. But Humanae Vitae, paragraph 10, uh, talks about, you know, the couple is, is making these decisions with a well-formed conscience. So with regard to physical, economic, psychological, and social conditions, responsible parenthood is exercised by those who prudently and generously decide to have more children and by those who, for serious reasons and with due respect to moral precepts, decide not to have additional children for either a certain or an indefinite period of time. The exercise of responsible parenthood requires that husband and wife, keeping a right order of priorities, recognize their own duties towards God, themselves, their family, and human society. So what does that mean? Like, okay, well, we need to take into consider a whole lot of things when we're discerning what's best for our family, right? And again, the only people who can make this decision for you is you and God, the couple and God outside sources like there's no one who's going to tell you like well really holy couples have at least five kids so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or that all Catholic couples should have that Nissan Envy which is a very nice car but <laughs> but not all of us are called to do that but God has to be part of the conversation achieving a pregnancy may not actually be what's best for the family you take into consideration things like mental health how how is the the woman's mental health how's the father's mental health um the the children that you already have am i am i doing what's best for the children that we have are we able to properly care for the kids that god has entrusted to us are we able to um educate them and um and and things like that um but also having a spirit of generosity and i think that's where um, it's so important to remember like things like a properly formed conscience mm-hmm. that um, that we're open to like where is God leading our family because if it's just like okay God we're done and and not in a spirit of like okay whatever God wants for our family because um, I mean just speaking from personal experience if you had told me in 2013 when I got married that in the first six years of marriage, we would have four children. I would have been like, Mm-mm, that's no, but honestly, like I look at, and there's, I mean, there's so much to unpack there. There's an episode where we talk about yeah. our journeys with NFP. But when I look at my family, when I look at my children, I'm so grateful that God's plan is so much better for our family than what I had envisioned our family being in 2013 when we yeah. got married. Um, so I think that that's what responsible parenthood is, is entrusting our family into God's hands and praying monthly, where is God calling us? What are we called to do? And recognizing that, okay, maybe we are called to postpone and that's going to require abstinence, which is sacrificial. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So let's, um, and tell me if I'm jumping ahead. So talking about this, because there may be some 
people who mm-hmm. say that that's just using NFP with a contraceptive mentality. Because mm-hmm. I know that you had mentioned that that's one of the things that kind of go around and and you said that NFP can't mm-hmm. have a contraceptive mentality. Mm-hmm. So do you want to- Sure, kind of t- <laughs> try my best. <laughs> Jump on in on that one. And I do want to mention first and foremost, like a big shout out to Emily Frazee from Total Wine and Fan Base. Um, she has done amazing things unpacking yeah. this argument. She had a series last year called Uncharted Territory and we'll put a link in the show notes to it. Um, but yeah, Emily Frazee is awesome and you should be following her on- all social media platforms. But anyway, um, first and foremost, where does that phrase um, contraceptive mentality come from? That phrase was coined by um, St. John Paul II when he was specifically talking about contraception in Familiaris Consortio and um, Evangelium Vitae. He was explicitly talking about the mentality of those who are using contraception. So, okay, again, going back to, okay, well, what is NFP? NFP is fertility awareness plus discernment. We know that the difference between contraception and NFP is that contraception says no. NFP, by default, is always open to life. Mm A couple waiting until the infertile time to engage in the marital act is not contraceptive. Not having sex is not contraceptive. Contraception sterilizes the marital act. It says life is not welcome here. We are not obligated as Catholics to have sex on specific days. Like the church doesn't give us a calendar and say, look, well, you gotta have sex this number of times a month in order to be a good holy couple. That would be weird. <laughs> be really weird. <laughs> yeah, anyway. <laughs> but NFP by default is always open to life. In no way is abstinence sterilizing the marital act. You're just not engaging in the marital act. And this is where I also think that there's kind of a twisting of terms. I think when people use contraceptive mentality, what they actually mean is, is it possible to use NFP selfishly? And the answer to that is yes. There are people who, and and there will be seasons of life where perhaps a couple is using NFP selfishly and saying like, okay, we're just gonna wait until the infertile time. And maybe they're not actually taking that to prayer. Maybe they're not discerning where is God acting in our marriage right now. But the really interesting thing is, is that marriage and, kind of has this anti-selfishness mechanism built into it. And it's called sexual desire. (laughs) Sexual desire. I was like, where is she going with (laughs) it? What is it? Tell me. (laughs) Sexual desire is a gift from God. It is good. It is holy. It is beautiful. At some point, if a couple is using NFP selfishly, at some point, they're going to have to ask themselves, is it necessary for us to postpone pregnancy right now? And it's really interesting how that happens and that sexual desire is, it's almost like purified in that discernment. You know, we're, we're, and also like among these pet peeves that I have with um, contraceptive mentality, it's almost like saying that abstinence is this really easy daisies and roses thing. No, it's not. (laughs) Goodness gracious. Abstinence is not easy. I mean, if yeah. maybe for some people it's like a walk in the park, but NFP or well, NFP abstinence, the abstinence that's involved with NFP can be very sacrificial. Mm-hmm. When I mean, 
sex is good, it's holy, it's beautiful. Um, so to say like, we are discerning that the, for the good of our family and where God is leading us right now, that we need to sacrifice that good so that we can pursue something better right now mm-hmm. or pursue what God is calling us to, that is not sinful, yeah. right? So I'll pause there. Yeah. Well, no, as, you're, no, as you're talking, and I'm even thinking about um, you know, the way that God has designed our bodies that um, at least a woman's desire, just because of her hormone levels, yep. increases during her times of fertility, mm-hmm. which right, points us to the idea, mm-hmm. um, well, this is what marriage is, right? right. Um, and when, uh, so yeah, I guess I was kind of shocked when people, when I hear people say that it could be used selfishly because like you said, like there's gonna be a time when the desire for both married couples, which is good and mm-hmm. built in, they're gonna have to look at that. Mm-hmm. And so if we're saying that they're selfish enough to postpone a child, mm-hmm. um, you know, for a reason that's maybe not good or they're using it in ways that they're not supposed to, um, but they're looking at their spouse and like, why are we, they're faced with that. Well, why are we yeah. saying we're gonna, yeah, we're going to play Scrabble tonight. Right. Exactly. <laughs> of engage in intimacy. Right. Exactly. Um, that practicing that. Okay. Well, there. You know, um, maybe our reasons aren't. Maybe it's fear. Maybe it's not something um, like a just reason to postpone. Maybe we do need to trust God with this thing. You know that they're coming face to face with. Why are we choosing right. this? Right. Um, right. Because it seems hard to be selfish in your um, practice of NFP um, because then if they're still selfish, it would seem that at the time of that strong desire for each other, mm-hmm. they're going to come face to face with that. Yeah. Yeah. And it opens up conversation, which is a, a beautiful thing. And and I will say, you know, just because a couple is using NFP doesn't mean that it's going to be super easy. Because, uh, like we've said, like it, there's a sacrificial element to it, but it can open up a possibility for a lot of different conversations. Again, like why are we trying to postpone pregnancy? Why why are we trying to achieve a pregnancy right now? If that's not happening, you know, like okay, well, what is God calling us to right now? Um, the other thing with, and sorry if I'm like jumping. No, no, um, go for it. But the other thing that can come from this talk about NFP being used with a contraceptive mentality. Um, going back to that translation in um, in Humanae Vitae of grave reasons for postponing, and it's also translated as just, and um, I think the church has spoken very clearly that 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 phrase that just reasons for for postponing pregnancy or or um, indefinitely or for a certain period of time that doesn't mean that the woman is on her deathbed and that's why that's the only reason why you should postpone pregnancy uh, we I mean I think we covered this earlier just unpacking humanity vitae 10 and again going to, to other church documents but the church doesn't the church doesn't give us a list and say like, unless you're dying or your spouse is ill or, you know, these like a, a very specific, I think that's what sometimes people are looking for. They're looking like, for a list. Right. They're looking yeah. for a very explicit list in the catechism or in a church document that tells me this is why I can postpone pregnancy, but otherwise I should always be pursuing pregnancy or always be ready and willing to have a baby. 
Yes, you are always called to be open to life, but that doesn't mean that God is necessarily calling you to have a baby every nine months because that's mm-hmm. not how we're designed. And we know that that's not good for, for a woman's body. Like she needs time to heal and to recover. Um, and so the other piece that I think is, a, is associated with this um, mentality or, or calling um, NFP being used with a contraceptive mentality is it also gets back to what are the primary purposes of marriage? And you said this at the beginning that the primary purposes within the sexual act is to be unitive and procreative. That's what the church teaches. She has mm-hmm. affirmed that lots of times, <laughs> but it actually goes back to, or there's a misunderstanding with this or some debate over the, over the development of canon law. So canon law from 1917 said the primary end of marriage is the procreation and education of children. Its secondary end is mutual help and a laying of concupiscence. The essential properties of marriage are unity and indissolubility, which acquire a particular fitness in Christian marriage by reason of its sacramental character. One of the great things about being Catholic is that Church teaching does not change, but we can clarify specific. We see this over and over again. We saw it with the the dogma of the Immaculate Conception um, that in 1860-something. Don't ask me dates. Sorry, bad Catholic. (laughs) um, That the church spoke very clearly into this is what we believe and Mm -hmm. that it developed over time. We spoke more clearly to it. So canon law 1983 says the marriage covenant by which a man and woman establish themselves a partnership of their whole life and which of its very own nature is ordered to the well-being of the spouses and the procreation and upbringing of the children has been between, uh, sorry, between baptized, been raised, uh, been raised by Christ the Lord to the dignity of a sacrament that she speaks to the fact that this is a both and thing. The USCCB documents marriage, love, life, and the divine plan. Marriage has two fundamental ends or purposes toward which it is oriented, namely the good of the spouses, so the unity of the spouses, and the procreation of the children. So it's both. It's mm-hmm. a both and. It's a great thing about being Catholic. It is both and. When we say that, procre- if we say that procreation is the primary and the only end, of the marital act, then we have immediately ostracized an entire group of women. Mm-hmm. Um, if we're saying that procreation, and there's, I mean, there's a lot of different issues with um, with saying that that um, children should be the primary end of the the sexual embrace. But one, I mean, think about um, women who struggle with infertility. You're, we would then be saying that, well, if you're infertile or struggling with infertility, you can't get married. The church doesn't teach that. Or postmenopausal women um, would not be able to get married. Um, it also would, would open up a whole can of worms with regards to, um, I mean, the dignity within the sexual um, act itself, you know, that it's not about if it's not about the union of the spouses, then I think that opens a door for um, for abuse mm-hmm. in a sense, because if it's only about creating children, ugh. <laughs> there's I mean, there's a whole rabbit hole that we could go down with that. Um, but I just feel like it it I mean, it, it it's very problematic in that it it. Um, it makes sex just about the one thing. And I mean, the same, th- I mean, that's the problem with contraception is that you're only talking about like, well, we just want, we want the the pleasure and the union, but we don't want this. Mm-hmm. But it's also equally as problematic if you say, well, it's only about the children. And then 
um, it would also open up this possibility of like, well, the more children you have, the, the holier you must be because that's proof that you're not using contraception, yeah. right? So. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's interesting too because I I think I just have to do a little bit more research too into people who say it's the only and like trying to understand how that would feel like what mm-hmm. would then they say about infertile couples. Yeah. Um or maybe people who are widowed and decide to get married but they get married later in life. And so it'd be interesting for me to sort of follow up on some of those um arguments if they mm-hmm. say this is the only thing. And I don't know if it's just people uh I don't, I don't want to speculate here, but, um, you know, like you said, obviously the sexual act is ordered toward mm-hmm. the procreation of children. So, um, so yeah, even sometimes I, I'm trying to figure this out in my head because yes, sexual, the sexual act is ordered toward the procreation mm-hmm. of children, but it doesn't mean that every time. Right. Um, right. And maybe we can even talk about this, um, next time we talk about infertility, but it seems like if procreation is the only purpose of the sexual act, then um, then as someone who's infertile, would I have to exhaust every resource I had mm. to ensure procreation mm. could happen? Right. I mean, obviously within the, the confines of right. Catholic teaching. Um, and so, but yeah, we can touch a little bit more on that yeah, next it, time we talk infertility. But I think it does open the door for like, okay, well, if it's the only purpose, then what does that mean for right. these other groups of people? Or maybe just an honest conversation needs to happen between... Okay, is this really what you're saying? Right. Um, and then what would you say about this? Right. Um, right. But like I said, it's I'm not in these circles, so it's hard to because we haven't had to yeah. practice it in this way yeah. um, to avoid experiences. And, um, our discernment has been like, what do we pursue yeah. to be able to um, achieve a pregnancy? Yeah. So, no, that makes sense, and I and I think you're right. I think it does open up a lot of questions. Like, okay, if children are the primary end of marriage. Does that mean that couples shouldn't be having sex when they know that the woman's infertile? Does that mean they can't have sex when she's already pregnant? Um, It just opens up a whole can of worms. Um, I mean, I I guess I shouldn't call it a can of worms. An opportunity for discussion. There you go. Yeah. (laughs) Um, To to say, like, well, what what does the church teach? Um, But NFP is such a a gift, and I really love this, this idea of natural family planning being something that is fertility awareness that, and we could do a whole episode on this and we kind of did with Dr. Cami Joe last year or yeah, last year. Mm-hmm. And, um, we'll answer some of those questions next week too. But if NFP is fertility awareness plus discernment and recognizing that fertility awareness, a woman being of aware of the vital sign of her health, that ovulation is an indicator of health, mm-hmm. paying attention to that, gives a couple a tool to discern better, yeah. right? It gives a couple, a, one, to, to make sure that that her health is in check and if something is off, she can help to, it helps to pinpoint that. Um, but that paired with the spirit of openness and like, where is God leading our family? Um, always being open to, to what God wants, but this, this practice of prayer and, I think also NFP is a great opportunity to grow in virtue, mm-hmm. um, to grow in the spirit of generosity, um, trusting that God's plan is what's best. Um, but yeah, I will step off my soapbox. <laughs> no, um, I love, I call it your expert box. This is sort of the lane that you live in. Yeah. So. Well, thanks. I, um, and thank you so much to, to our audience because we've, 
again, the Facebook group has been a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, and it's grown even since our last uh, episode. I think we're up to like 130 Woo-hoo. something. So that's great. <laughs> um, little by little. Uh, but we will have a follow up episode on this. And so please leave your comments because I know I <laughs> and I I laugh because I I do feel like with topics like this, we're kind of poking a bear and people have lots of thoughts on um, on is NFP contraceptive, et cetera. Um, and we stayed really like at a surface level again. There's so many different yeah. ways that we could, we could go with this. And this is a longer episode. Um, but please leave your comments, um, send us a message. What questions regarding NFP or fertility awareness do you have? I know there were some questions on things like, you know, well, what method is best? Is there a best method? Um, postpartum NFP? Um, what if, you know, we have a large family and we kind of feel like we're done? How do we still have the spirit of of openness to life, even though we're kind of sensing that like we have the children that we have, things like that. So I think that yeah. those are some things that we'll cover next week, um, and kind of diving into your experience with infertility, which I think is, is such a you speak so beautifully about that. <laughs> so you. I'm really grateful that you're willing to have that conversation. Um, but yeah, anything else that we? Um, no, I don't think so. But um, just sending questions that people have, and I know that. We have a lot of resources that we'll put in the show notes, yes. but you've also done a lot of work on trying to get some information on the St. Philip website. Um, so if people want to start looking into um, NFP, can you just briefly explain some of the things that you have yes. on? So on stphilipinstitute.org slash NFP, you will see, um, again, just kind of some definitions of what NFP is, a description of the different methods. So um, mucus only, symptothermal, symptohormonal, um, and the resources that are available online and also in person. That's something that we're really trying to build up in the Diocese of Tyler in both English and Spanish. Um, so please pray for those efforts. Um, further down, you'll see some videos that we publish. And actually, um, one of the, the videos that has come out this week um, that uh, we did an inter- another interview with Dr. Kami Jo Tice-Haroff talking about fertility care and the medical perspective um, and also like how that works with church teaching. I just think she did a, a beautiful job with that. So that's featured this week. We have some articles there. And then also if people have questions or are looking for a particular resource um, and aren't sure where to start, Mm -hmm. I'm happy to to talk to them. Um, And then there's also a growing number of resources um, even outside of just Catholic circles. Like I mentioned, um, Emily Frazee. Um, There's websites like Managing Your Fertility, um, You, Me, and NFP, so many great yeah. organizations and ministries that are, are coming because we realize like fertility awareness really is empowering for women. Yeah. So yeah. absolutely wonderful. Well, thank you. Mickey. No, thank you for sharing your expertise um, and shedding some light on it. Thanks. Appreciate it. Well, let's pray yeah. in the name of the father and of the son and of the Holy spirit. Amen. Good and gracious God, thank you for the gift of life and love. Thank you for the gift of marriage. Um, Lord, we ask that you open our hearts to your truth. We ask that you guide us in our family discernment, that you help us to trust you, to trust you with our fertility, to trust you um, with any challenges or difficulties that we're having, um, and to know that um, you want what's best for us and for our families. We ask all these things in your name. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.